Uh, hi, everybody. It's Chris, and I'm here today with Rachel Bergen. She is a mom, a yoga teacher. She's many things. She does energy therapy, teaches meditation, and we are going to nerd out on talking about somatic experiencing and trauma and yoga and all those things. Yes, yes, yes. So we were just chatting about a new yoga training that yes. you're starting. Can yes. you tell me about that? What it's it sounds amazing, but can you share of what course. you were just talking about? Yes. The yoga teacher training I'm doing right now is um through Alexandria Crow. She I found her on Instagram. And she the behind it is it's called Deconstruct to Reconstruct. And the idea is to deconstruct what isn't working within Western style yoga and bring back the roots of yoga, like the philosophy where the, you know, yoga is union and the seat is the main posture that has been like within the texts of yoga. And so the idea is to incorporate more philosophy and bringing the connection to ourselves and waking up to the asanas and how they might have they're not as beneficial for everybody where um she asana meaning the poses poses yes the yoga mm-hmm. flow itself and so we just learned we had our first class last week and we learned about hypermobility and that most yoga practitioners, Uh teachers, um, they fall in line with hypermobility. And she was discussing too about how these poses, these like the full expression of poses, let's say, you know, down or dog with your heels straight, you know, and Mm -hmm. heels down to the ground, legs straight, um, are not made for the average range of mobility for our bodies and they're more for the hypermobile uh-huh. uh, body. And so recognizing that's within ourselves and within our students and how to bring it back to poses that are more doable and uh, easier on our bodies. And yeah. This makes perfect sense to me because it feels like yeah, the way that the Western mentality gets it all wrong, it's sort of, we think we're getting it right by looking at someone doing downward dog on the cover of Yoga Journal, and we're like, well, I can do that. And then we think, oh, but my shoulders aren't as flexible, so I'm not doing it right. We think we have to match some outward example of something. And then as soon as we don't, we automatically think that it's a fault or a flaw of ours. Yes. Whereas I feel like the, the true, from what I was taught, the true spirit of yoga is it comes from within. And Mm -hmm. so your body should find the pose that's appropriate for you. And your pose might not look anything like that down dog. It might look like there's a chair involved or 12 pillows or however it is it comes from within yes and sort of intuitively directed and the the teacher is almost like a guide Mm -hmm. but it's not like you have to match 
what they're doing. Right. Is that how you teach when you're, can you talk a little bit too about your foundational training? Like the one that you went overseas to study? Yes. Yes. My training, um, I went to India, uh, Goa, India for my yoga teacher training. And it was in Ashtanga, uh, which is a, it, it, Ashtanga includes the eight limbs. Like, so the spiritual, like philosophical, philosophical uh-huh. um, part of Ashtanga includes the eight limbs and the yoga sutras and that part of yoga. Um, but it's also a two hour, two and a half hour specific series of poses that um, your yoga practice consists of. And I really wasn't aware of that going into (laughs) it. (laughs) I just knew it talked about self-discipline. Like that was the main goal of or purpose for Ashtanga yoga, like to train the mind and the body to align and, um, yeah, communicate with each other. It also, we also learn vinyasa flow as well. And so it was a combination of those two, like how to teach a flow class for Western yoga, because you can't teach Ashtanga. Ashtanga is a self-led really? um, series. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so you learn the um, asanas, the poses from an Ashtanga teacher who will, I think, here they have like workshops and they'll teach you in sections like the the flow of them and usually they have like cheat sheets and stuff like that so then eventually you'll be able to self-guide yourself uh when you were signing up for this did it feel like did you get an inner buzz of like I know I meant to do this because some people would say oh well this training is in India and so automatically cross that off the list. That's not happening. Like what made you say yes? Yeah. I had, yeah, I had definitely had the opposite feeling. Uh, me, <laughs> me and a girlfriend of mine, we went to India a year prior and just to backpack. Like we, we took two weeks and we did the Holy Fest, which is the festival of colors there. So it's when you're painting each other like with bright colors. Oh, that sounds and amazing. It was. It really was. And so I fell in love with the people and the culture and the environment and just how mm. It feels like a step back in time, but in a good way, where it's just a lot more simple and mindful and um, people are considerate. And especially for Americans, like they're very curious of our culture Mm. and and the way that we live. And there's just, I mean, you walk around feeling like a celebrity, like people want to take pictures and want to understand you more and just a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah. So it was fun, like on all levels, Mm -hmm. but we took some meditation classes there, took some yoga classes and yoga in India, the whole combination of it just felt amazing, like body buzz, like Hmm. being able to go within because there's not the distractions of our, the hustle and bustle. Like there's like India can be loud parts of it. Yeah. Uh, But where we were, we were up in the mountains and Hmm. yeah. And it was just, it was nice and personal. And I knew I wanted to know more about yoga and I wanted to know more of about for like myself and I wanted to do it in India, like where it originated and uh, yeah, and get the, yeah, the groundwork hopefully for. So when teaching. you were in this intensive, it was a month long, is that it right? It was, yeah. 
did they provide a day of rest? Yes. Because I imagine it must have been intense on your body to do how many hours of yoga a day? Yeah. Five or six, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Seven? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. We got a half day on Saturday and all day on Sunday. Okay. And they also encourage study, which I am ADHD. <laughs> I'm also <laughs> on the autism spectrum. So... Study is not my thing. Like I okay. am like very procrastinator. So I took those days and I went to beaches and I like mm-hmm. traveled around and just assumed <laughs> that I'm absorbing it somehow. Like yeah. it's like I'll know, you know, by the end. Like we're doing so much of it and it's became becoming so physical uh, that I don't think my mind really has to like keep going with mm-hmm. it. And yeah. One of the things that I was, I've been reading about lately that I am going to most likely deep dive into is the polyvagal theory. Mm. And so the yoga training that I went through here in Madison, the teacher, we talked about this a little bit last time I was here, but the teacher was basically instructing to teach yoga to the nervous system Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. everything that you teach should be with the nervous system in mind at the the core of everything. And as I'm reading about the polyvagal theory, which I don't even know if I can accurately define, but um, I will find a definition. I'm not going to hunt for one now, but I'll find it and I'll cut this part out and I'll put the definition at the beginning of Mm -hmm. this before we start talking probably. And... I'm so struck by what strikes me about your training and what strikes me about the polyvagal theory is how much, how that it's such a core construct of not just how I think people, when people think about the nervous system, traditionally they think fight or flight, right? But they don't think about, um, relationships with Mm -hmm. the world and with Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and, digestion and hearing and eyesight and like literally every system function Mm -hmm. because the polyvagal, because the cranial nerves are central to everything that happens in your body, literally, because it all passes through your brain. Right. It's like every aspect of how you interact with and interpret the world begins with your sensory experience of the world. Mm -hmm. And so if you're sensing danger in the people around you, if that's ingrained at all from early trauma or just average childhood where Mm -hmm. you're at the mercy of the adults around you and if you don't necessarily see the things the way that they see or your worldview maybe doesn't match with theirs and so it doesn't feel like a safe place to be you, that all gets sort of input into your nervous system and can affect your relationships forever, literally. And so until you address it. Right. So what I love about polyvagal theory is that you can retrain those outer relationships by retraining the nervous Mm -hmm. system. And to me, when I hear you talking about this place in India, it feels to me like, It's not only you're learning yoga from the inside out, but you're also learning yoga from the outside in Mm -hmm. because it's like regulating you that way too. So I'm all about it and I just cannot get enough of, I feel like I'm just at the tip of the iceberg of 
learning how powerful this system of ours is Mm -hmm. and same yeah Yeah. and understanding now of course I don't and I was I was going to ask you this question too I tend to follow a path towards different healing modalities training Mm -hmm. to learn those modalities based on what it is I currently need to learn for my own system yes yep And I was going to ask you if it was the same. Always. Yeah, (laughs) always. That that is the, if I'm not personally passionate about it, I can't do it. I, I, that's why college was a no-go for me because it was too overwhelming, like Mm -hmm. to just take general studies and maybe figure out like what you want to do. Like I hyper-focus on things and just go down the rabbit hole and want Mm -hmm. to, it's always personal of like, what can I, how can I understand myself better? How can I apply this better? And from an experiential standpoint, I think that's what makes the best teachers because then you are intuitive with it and you personally know it instead of teaching from a textbook or because your teacher has, you know, said this and maybe it might, like for me, it's really important to teach from experience because that's the only way I know. Uh Yeah. Otherwise I feel like I'm making it up if I don't know it personally. So I, I think last time when we were talking, um, the podcast that I mentioned was called poly polyvagal podcast, but he's since changed the names to stuck, not broken, Yes, which I really, really, really liked because going through, um, you know, different healing traditions Mm. in my twenties and, Mm -hmm. It's very much about healing and that um, that model of you need healing, which is, and at the time was very comforting and wonderful, but the further on I get, then it makes me feel like, well, when am I whole? Yeah, and when am I... endless. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. endless. But I like this idea of just saying, you're more stuck. There are parts of you that are stuck and all you're doing is sort of helping them get unstuck. Mm -hmm. You're a whole person. There's nothing wrong with you. There's parts of you that get stuck in the past in trauma or memories or, you know, ways of looking at the world that served you then, but Mm -hmm. not now. And it's like a constant updating of the system. Yes. And, um, I agree with you that the people that don't have the experiential, like visceral understanding of what it's like to have been really stuck in a trauma and not seen a way out, mm-hmm. but then have like a treatment or a practice literally like lift a hundred yes. pounds off of them and then yeah. they can move freely again and then do their work from that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. It's so profound and yeah. it s- makes such a huge difference than say like a, a doctor who's like well this is what's going to be right for you right and I know because I read it in right this book. or just take this pill and this will help mm-hmm. right do whatever yeah yeah so it's not that I like poo poo all of the amazing things that come from the western tradition of medicine but it feels like such a different model to work from and I'm wondering when you do, can you talk about some of the like energy work that you've done or um, we talked a little about somatic experiencing. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Because 
Probably the people listening don't know what that is. Yes, I would love to. Somatic experiencing was that one of those light bulbs for me. When you talk about like learning about a practice or something that is like, holy cow, this is changing everything. It was somatic experiencing. And I um, started reading Peter Levine's Waking the Tiger book. And it's the reason I was attracted to this book when I was learning about my own complex PTSD. And so complex PTSD is from childhood uh, trauma mm-hmm. and it's collective. And when we were talking about before, like things staying within your nervous system. And so learning about this and, you know, he was talking about how talk therapy, which is very beneficial. I still have a therapist who I see every other week and we talk about a lot of things, but it only can go so far with healing trauma because it's the mental state. Like it's not, um, connecting anything physically. And so when I learned about somatic experiencing, which is healing the body from the trauma and the idea is, uh, we have, our body keeps a score, which is also Dr. Um, Bessel van der Kolk, I believe. Um, it is, <laughs> yes. And he specifically talks about um, trauma and one of the best medicines, quote unquote, is yoga, um, is body work. And so I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but um, Peter Levine I was in tangent. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you for following with me. Um, Peter Levine was inspired um, by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And I think their practices have intermingled. Um, But the idea is getting into our body, into right what we're talking about with yoga and that inner awareness, like connecting that I am in control, that it is safe within my body. Mm. And so that is what trauma will do to our body is if we're not aware of it, if we're not able to experience it physically, uh, we feel unsafe. And that's when we go into the fight, flight or freeze or fawn, which is even like the like totally frozen play dead. Mm -hmm. I can't even move state, which I'm familiar you might be with as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so somatic experiencing is the idea of gently allowing yourself to touch those places within your body Mm. and so for example right now um my shoulders are always a trouble spot for me Mm -hmm. and I hold a lot of tension a lot of stress uh, you know the world really um when I want to try to control everything and keep it all together yeah uh, it'll show up in my shoulders and so one of the my somatic um, experiencing practices is finding somewhere neutral within my body. So mm-hmm. let's say my hands, my it's my left shoulder that's feeling discomfort. I'll find a neutral place like in my hand and I'll start being aware of moving up my arm and sensing like where do I start feeling the tension? Like uh, and, and Where's the edge? Kind yes, of? yes. Playing with the edge uh-huh. instead of going directly to the source of my shoulder and be like, "Oh my gosh, this hurts too much," and I'm, I can't take it anymore, so I pop out. Oh right. right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is to gently address it and come into it, and just sit with it for a few seconds, maybe thirty seconds, mm-hmm. not even, and just be like, "Oh, okay." And you can come back out and be like, "All right, that wasn't too bad. Like yeah. I, I survived. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was." Because for me, sometimes looking at my trauma, I mean, it looks like this 
dark monster that I am, I'm terrified to even look at. And I feel like it would just take me over if I did. Yeah. And so with this gentle approach where I'm guiding myself, like I'm in control Hmm. and it's not somebody else like right this somatic experiencing and in my experience has been very personal it can also be self-guided there's definitely somatic um, experiencing practitioners but yeah so being recognizing it coming in a little bit and uh, I think they call it titration where it's coming in and out of it Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself maybe to sit a little bit more and yeah and that's do you find then that the area that you're nervous about looking at or feeling into transforms it does and it's even doing it right now my shoulder even just by sometimes it's simply like all I'll do is say like hello to my shoulder pain like Mm -hmm. hey like I see you and even right now like I feel like I mean I'm getting tingles like goosebumps like it is like it just wants to be seen yeah and whatever it is and it doesn't even have like for me my fear was like what if I start remembering all these things what if like you know I get lost in the emotions and all this stuff and what I've learned personally with somatic experiencing is it's just a feeling like it's the feeling that needs to be expressed it's the Mm -hmm. feeling that needs to um be looked at and allowed to move through because that's what I've understood is um, the reason we have trauma is because whatever happened to us, whatever traumatic event, be it in childhood or a, you know, a larger event, like in, when I was 24, I was in a motorcycle accident mm-hmm. and it took my father's life. I was on the back with him and I was, you know, almost died as well. And so these big events, like if we aren't able to discharge that in person, like while it's happening, which, you know, in that situation, like I, it's not even possible. Yeah. Um, with somatic experiencing, it's allowing like, to discharge is whatever sensation is coming up. You don't even have to know what it is. You don't have to judge it. You don't have to like, try to figure it out, like where it's coming from mm-hmm. with it, every release. It's, it lets go a little bit more of the collective trauma that is stored within our body. And then we're able to lighten up a little bit and we're able to sit in presence a little bit longer without having that scared. I'm not safe. This is unfamiliar type of feelings. I'm getting so many different thoughts as you're talking and it's making me think of when my dad was dying and I went, so he had been sort of slowly sick, but we thought he was okay. He was thinking about moving to Madison and then he got really sick, really fast, Mm -hmm. was in the hospital and died a week later. Wow. So it was, there was a shock element Mm -hmm. and I remember when, I went to the hospital and then it was my turn to take a break. I went to Starbucks and got like a latte and I felt like I couldn't digest Mm. the milk. Like it was sort of like my system had kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. And whenever I think about that particular shock to the system, it feels like it's stored somewhere that I couldn't process everything that was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. And I would have to come back to it later and go into my body and process it. Because then from that point forward, I literally had problems with my digestion. Yes. And so yes. it was Well, like, on the vagus nerve, right? Connects yeah. right to the gut. Yeah. Yes. And I think there's such a link between grief 
grief is an intense, complicated emotion. And I think Hmm. people think (laughs) it will be a six month process of the five stages of grief and then they will be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it looks different for everyone. It takes all different kinds of time. And the, because some people try to experience grief by going to talk therapy alone Mm -hmm. and not addressing the body, because the body knows what's going on almost more accurately, I would say, than Mm -hmm. our thoughts do. Oh, for sure. So that was a really clear example to me of my body saying, there's a shock and a trauma happening here. I can't deal with it all right now. I'm just going to store this for a little while. Please come back to it later. Right. (laughs) Yes. And even there's a point where I realized, again, why I was guided to drawn to somatic experiencing is talk therapy can almost be traumatic. Yeah. If you keep right circling in this, I don't understand or telling the story over and Mm -hmm. over again, you're reliving it. So you're again, there's more stored energy that is just waiting to somehow be physically expressed. Yes. Agree. I spent years in talk therapy and it was great for some insights, Mm -hmm. but it didn't, do the unwinding work right. of, oh, I feel freer in my right. life. It didn't have like a lasting, right? Like a lasting, yes, almost like a permanent mm-hmm. change yes. in how I look at the world. What did that was yoga and EMDR therapy has been mm-hmm. really helpful, mm-hmm. which is another kind of somatic thing for people who don't know it. It involves eye movement or like a visceral um, buzzing between two yes. um, little eggs that yes. they give you that yep. are hooked to a yep. machine. My therapist has practiced that as well. Yeah. Um, but it it it's a so I'll just explain it for people who don't mm-hmm. know what it is. So what you do is you sit um, with someone trained to do EMDR, and you can fo- start. Usually, I start by focusing on something uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, a sensation in my body or a memory and and you just start there and kind of feel it and then you do you start either eye movement from left to right left to right repetitive or there's a little egg buzzing in your left hand and then your right hand and then your left hand and then your right hand it's basically talking to both sides of the brain alternating mm-hmm. as you're having your inner attention focused on this memory or this um, sensation and it will inevitably start to transform and take different shapes or go different places. You might see visuals of different things happening that make no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And it's just about letting your body kind of guide itself through unwinding all these things that it has stored Mm -hmm. for you. And so it has, I've been doing that. Well, she went on maternity leave a couple months ago, but, um, I was doing it once a week and it was because it worked. Yes. <laughs> it yes. works. Yes. And, um, there's so many different ways to access. I'm finding, like you said, yoga does it. If you have, I would say if you have even the slightest bit of attention on, your intuitive self when you do yoga, mm-hmm. great. That's key. And mm-hmm. that's because yoga is uh, an umbrella, right? Like it is, you know, I'm going to go do a yoga flow or power yoga. Mm-hmm. Or um, I know for me and others that I've spoke with, it's um, like some people describe it as an escape mm-hmm. instead of 
uh, going in and looking at the uncomfortable. Um, and that's, that's important. Like, with yoga and like how we're talking about like our yoga practice, mm-hmm. like you were talking is that going in and just being open and curious and non-judgmental mm-hmm. and allowing things to come within right. Our awareness uh, and sit with it for as long as we can without making stories or like going off right on these tangents and different worlds of like uh, possibly re-traumatizing events that are coming up and letting them physically. Yeah. And sometimes yoga can bring out, I remember I had one experience in training where we were doing some variation of like happy baby. Mm -hmm. So you're on your back and you're holding onto your own feet and essentially you feel very exposed in your like genital nether region area because it's, it's facing up. Right. And so I had this huge emotional mm. sort of release that I waited until the class was almost over. It was like 15 minutes left. I left. I cried for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and then I came back into class and I was all geeked. I'm like, you guys, I had the best emotional release ever from that. I felt so vulnerable that I remembered this time in childhood that blah, 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 blah. And yes. <laughs> it, because yeah. it's, I feel so good. Every flow I had like at, in, in <laughs> India, I cried in Shavasana every single time. I'm not kidding. I was known as the one, like, I'd just be like, <laughs> and like, sometimes my, like, you know, my other friends would just hold, reach out, hold my hand. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, nice. it, yeah, but each one it is, it's, it's giving, when we give ourselves permission to, you know, do that kind of work and, and inevitably if we want to or not. And that's like yoga works regardless of mm-hmm. your, take like, your view on it when you're doing that kind of body work it's it's gonna bring up it may and but I, you're right if you give yourself permission is the key word yes. because I feel like that's part of why people are really missing or I know I am missing yoga studios right now mm-hmm. that are fully open and functional because it's a safe place mm-hmm. generally it's a safe place to come together and be held mm-hmm. for those things to happen and yeah. sometimes when people are alone in their own homes mm-hmm. and if their home isn't providing that safe little nest, yep. then they can't let go of right. some of these trap things that are in there and their yoga practice feels totally different because yes. they're not in that container of feeling held in a safe way. Right. So I really, I'm feeling a huge difference with that. And I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening to find like a space, even if every time you walk on your yoga mat, it feels like this is my safe rectangle. Mm -hmm. And for the time that I'm on this mat, I can let it all go. Yes. Whatever it is in Western society, super tough. I think for people to give themselves permission to look ugly because they're ugly when they cry or to make funny noises or whatever it is. Yes. Um, I was at this training for myofascial therapy with, um, John Barnes down in Florida last year. And well, I guess it was this year. It was early January before all the kind of chaos started with travel restrictions and stuff. Um, and the body work there is very quite gentle, mm-hmm. but it's it works directly on the fascia and the connective tissue. And s- he kind of encourages 
everyone to feel like it's a safe space and they can let go. Mm -hmm. And so the dramatic releases happening were so extreme Mm -hmm. that if you had just walked in off the street, you would think it was like a loony bin or something because people were wailing and contorting their bodies, sort of bringing their bodies into positions Mm. that... I can relate to that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That their body Trembling. needed to do. I'm sure too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is like if your body, let's say in utero, your mom fell and your body was in a specific position when she fell, and there's like a trauma held from that. Mm-hmm. So as you're 50 years later, as you're getting body work on a table, and it's this particular kind of body work where you feel safe your body might go to that position that you had in utero to just help release it yeah. by finding that original place. And so, but for people who are unfamiliar, they're like, have I lost my mind? Right, right. <laughs> so yes. anybody that's doing yoga or is entertaining the idea of getting this kind of body work, that's all kind of part of the, I feel like it, it, it kind of is fun because mm-hmm. then you start to see what does my body need to do? Right. And it reminds me of that, um, you didn't call it ecstatic dance. What did you call it? This sort of mm. intuitive dance yes. stuff? Yes, yes. Was that part of your training? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was one of the funnest parts. Can you explain what that is? Yes, I would of? love to. Okay. It, oh my gosh. It was It was probably one of, it was, it was my favorite part of our yoga teacher training. Um, and it was, so we had, so we were put off into two groups. We were the tulips and then there was the lotus and but our groups would come together sometimes and do a collective like energy like yoga whatever is work um and so there is probably 70 of us in this like shelter of a space and mind you yoga uh, india is like 95 degrees (laughs) and humid um and so it starts off with our teacher putting on this beat and it's kind of like a tick 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 and so and he's inviting us to make organic movements and so how does your body want to move to this music and he advises us to turn our you know close our eyes like so we're not right like wondering if whatever we're doing is weird or you know comparing ourselves to other people and and then he'll pause it and we will feel our body like how did that movement feel and then you kind of feel tingly and you can feel the movement like within your limbs and so then it evolves into like having your eyes open and moving then it evolves into moving around the classroom and and people by this time people's arms are starting to move overhead and their legs and you're just you're where does your body want to move and it's so different some people are going really fast some people are going really slow Um, and at this point is when our teacher introduces when at the pause to scream and so as loud as we can yes and so to bring out now our voice and and that itself is giving me goosebumps because again like our body remembers those things we can just go back in memory and feel like this you know experience which is so wild um but, and so the screaming happens and then we'll go back into the, and we're, you know, flailing around, dancing around, feeling all jolly. <laughs> and our teacher then, uh, invites us to, when the music pauses, to find a partner and scream in their face. Oh my god! But we're, we're screaming together. So it's like, they're wow. screaming in ours. And I, we, you could tell that like, 
whose people were their safe people, right? Because I, you know, I wasn't traveling over into the Lotus group. Like, that was too scary. But I had, like, my group of girls that I felt, like, comfortable doing that with. And it was fun to be able to look somebody in the eye and see their full expression Mm. and have them see my full expression. And this vulnerability and this openness and this, like, it was just, it was cathartic. Like, it was just wow like an experience to share with somebody and let go of uh, everything it felt like and be present and like with the connection of the mind and the body and this event with other people like community is I think that's what's so hard right now about what we're in with COVID-19 is the lack of community and and touch and and as simple as a hug right like Mm we this energy that is vital for our human makeup yeah and yeah not having like you were saying about studios and it's it's really hard to have self-discipline for ourselves to you know go into this very healing practice and give ourselves the space that we need because it it, it's it's a lot easier when you have the energy of other people also doing the same thing because that just right it just multiplies and multiplies and makes it feel like home like a a place that you're you're safe it's a, yeah, it's permission too. Yeah. It's like a unspoken permission. Right. But these options. I think I assume too, I mean, I'm guessing that at the beginning there's sort of a um actually I'm trying to think back. Um because what you're talking about reminds me a little bit of the prenatal yoga training up in Minneapolis that felt like such a safe space mm. to really be vulnerable. But I was trying to remember if in the beginning there was any kind of spoken or unspoken agreement of like, this is a safe space. Mm. Oh, sh- and she did. She went over some basic guidelines, like sort of this is, this, I can't even, I should ask her. Her name's um, Sarah Longacre and her place is called Bluma. And it is uh, a really safe space for um, people who are pregnant and postpartum sure. and raising young kids to um, go and be themselves and be messy mm. and let it all hang out basically. Yes. Um, but because I'm finding that the concept of sacred space and knowing that something is a container for you where you're going to be safe is so critical to letting that happen and I don't know if you find that even when you're like working on people one-on-one that they know when they're on your table Mm -hmm. how do you convey that to them do they just know because they can feel your hearts or is do you put it in words that is a good question I I usually begin my energy practices so in in my space um I will which is in my living room we're looking at right now um I will I will I'll draw the blinds Mm -hmm. and I'll light candles and I'll light a little bit of incense and so I'm already creating energetically and sensually an environment that it feels safe that is nurturing um and then you know, the client will come in and, um, we'll talk about what's going on. And I think active listening is another component that helps them feel safe. And I'm, you know, mirroring back like what they're feeling and Mm -hmm. how they are in this moment. And then when, 
Um, they get on a table. I let them know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and so there's no surprises. There's, uh, you know, from head to toe, like where my hands will be. And I start with mindful breathing with them. And so I'll guide them into, you know, taking deep breaths and I'll put a little bit of pressure on their shoulder and help ground them and um, welcome them into the present moment, inviting them that, you know, if anything comes up like colors or memories or you know, sense or, you know, messages, what not, um, sensations in the body, uh, that you're safe. Yes. And that um, if at any time you need me to stop, like that is okay. If you like to talk about anything that like they are in control, like they have total control of the situation and the session. And yeah, and then we go right into it. And that's how I usually set up my space. I, so one of, I don't know if this is on topic, uh, but one of my latest discoveries, and by latest, like it was in my yoga teacher training on Thursday, is the connection of hypermobility. Are you hypermobile? Do you, like, do you know how to test for it? Yeah. So if your elbows, like, hyperextend, which they do, um, if your thumb, like, can come, can you, like, bring your thumb down? No. Um, and well, you, it's more flexible than, like, mine is extreme, like, but you... If you can um, almost touch, and what is, like, if you can do, like, a forward fold and have your hands, like, oh, yeah. on the ground. I can do that. Yeah. There is, and you don't have to take off all of them. Um, but most most yoga teachers, uh, like, are hypermobile. And what that does to our system is, uh, like, our the nervous system, it... Uh, will tell us like when our joint is gone too far so the nervous system will be like whoa 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 like come back like this is too much this isn't good for you and so with hypermobility because we can hyperextend and all of our joints like shoulders elbows wrists knees everything um our nervous system there is no communication of whoa whoa that's too much and so it just automatically sets us into like anxiety and in this like fight flight freeze mode of like always on because our body is not properly communicating um or I mean it is but it's on a level like where if somebody else was to go too far they would literally feel it right like they would, yeah. it would be like nope right that's as far as my joint can go like because their tendons and their um, ligaments and muscles can only allow them to go. But with hypermobility, uh, all of our stuff is looser. And so, yeah. and that's where the connection and the communication. And so there is, for me, I recently was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Huh. And 
ADHD, the symptoms like, you know, overlap and, but it's all about the nervous system. And so it's sensory, like high, like really sensitive to sounds, sights, Mm -hmm. um, just hyper aware of everything. Um, and the energy it takes to focus like that's in, um, executive functioning is really difficult. (laughs) Um, social interaction is really difficult. Uh, and, um, yeah. And so I had a light bulb moment when she's talking about hypermobility and the communication it has with our like nervous system and like, you know, back and forth and thinking like, oh my gosh, is this why like are a lot of like autistic or neurodivergent? Cause there's also like OCD and mm-hmm. you know, it's a spectrum. Um, if like hypermobility is like a characteristic and yeah. sure as shit it is like ah. it is like it is a thing like within it like that mm. it's like what comes with your makeup like why I will not be able to get rid of it huh. is but with yoga and learning about hyperextension and like when my body like how you have to be so mindful of my poses and like for instance like pigeon like what feels really good for me is actually I'm doing a lot of harm to my Ah. body because it can stretch there it can go there but it's not good for my body too Mm. and so where people like might have like an emotional release and you know because of our hips and feel a nice stretch like I don't feel any stretch (laughs) <laughs> because I, I, it's just, it, it's already stretched. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's kind of waking me up to, um, having to be knowledgeable of anatomy yeah, and knowing my body and where its limits are. And I have to mindfully pay attention to that instead of just letting it go wherever it wants to go. Cause I usually, I always have lower back pain. My shoulders are always hurting, um, from any, like just simple downward dog. Yeah. Like it's my, they just don't have anywhere to go like Mm. they have everywhere to go like it's (laughs) it's they're not just in a stable place because it can move around so much and so the hyperextension creates a state in the nervous system that's closer to fight or flight is that what you're saying yes okay yeah that is interesting yeah yeah very interesting it is I did not know that yeah and so for me um up until recently my yoga practice has almost been uh, like traumatic, uh, because I'm, I'm, it's not re- it's not relaxing in, in the traditional flow sense, like okay. where, so I like learned, you walk into a class. And yes. Yep. Start and your you're yoga. doing sun salutations yeah. and chaturangas and chaturangas always are in my body too. Um, and so I've had to create my own intuitive flow mm-hmm. and by knowing my body enough, it is very slow. It is very, I mean, there's, it's not like mirrored in any way. Like, you know, I'm doing this side, so now I got to do this side. It's like my body, Hmm. the joints are different. Like my right arm is different than my left arm. My right foot is different than my left foot. And so my practice is being curious of what feels good for my body and what my body needs in this moment. Yeah. And that is hopefully, that is what I want to be teaching as well. I want to I want to be able to teach a class to, they don't have to look like everybody. They don't have to write, like, we're not going to be like up, down, here, like left, right. But to um, encourage intuitive moment, like movement mm-hmm. and like in like inviting them in not necessarily like a traditional pose. Yeah. Um, but just, 
yeah, like getting familiar with their body and their joints and how they move. And yeah. How do you, what would you, what would you say to someone? Cause I know some people who they know they have trauma. They don't want to look at it mm-hmm. with a therapist, mm-hmm. but they also don't want to live with it sort of anchoring them to the past. Yeah. So how would you start or what would you advise for someone like that who, um, wants to begin, but they're afraid if they take one step that they'll fall into it and they won't Mm. get out. Mm. Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) So big. Um, and great. That's such a good question. Um, because it's, unfortunately it's not one thing, right? It's not like a snap, like, and we're like, boom, like we can jump in. Um, for me, it has been, honestly, <laughs> um, connection with other people. And so we live right with the World Wide Web. And one of the things with the COVID-19 that's happened is like we're inside and so we have to get creative. Like how can we socialize, you know, creatively and find connection creatively. And so what I started doing was like when I, when I read books like you know, Peter Levine, and I learn about somatic experiencing. I go to the hashtag, like, on Instagram, and I'm like, okay, hashtag somatic experiencing. What are other people talking about? What are other people Uh, experiencing? mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I see myself there. I see myself here. I see myself there. And then, you know, kind of play around with, well, if that worked for her, maybe this might work for me. And um, and if it doesn't, like, you know, just throw that away and try something again. Mm -hmm. And I'm always feeding myself with knowledge of, what it is I am connecting to and then seeing and connecting with other people like that. I just discovered TikTok <laughs> and I know I don't, I had a YouTube. I'm like, how do you, I'm not a, tic- do I don't, do TikTok? I don't TikTok. I don't use, is, what's the proper verb? I don't do TikTok. I don't, I don't use know. TikTok. I don't know. I don't know. I don't TikTok. Right. I don't TikTok. Yes. I think, I think that's it. I don't TikTok. Um, but it's, you know, it's taking these, um, platforms and using it to my benefit. So ah. TikTok is yes, definitely a younger generation kids. I mean, they're, you can find anything on TikTok. It's like, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's people just doing whatever they want to do. But you can you can simplify it and condense it into hashtags. And so when I found out hashtags for, you know, autistic um, spectrum disorder and ADHD and uh, neurodiversity and yoga, and so I can I can get my little bunch that I want to be looking mm. at, and then see like what other people and like it, especially in the neurodiversity with the autistic autism spectrum and ADHD, like it, it's inspiring for me to be able to be like, okay, I, I can express myself and, and allow myself to be what it is without having to think that, cause one of the things about autism is masking and learning how to, how to be because of how other people are being. So yeah. I'm going to chameleon. I'm really good at that. Like <laughs> I can walk into a room and be like, okay, this is what people are doing. This is how they're acting. Like this is what they need. So I'll just like become right? Like transform into this for them instead of just allowing myself to be whatever that it is that I want to be in the moment, which I always feel like is too weird or random or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatnot. And so these, you know, with Instagram and TikTok and just being able to see myself again in other people and be like, okay, like I can, like, I'm not alone. 
I'm not alone in this. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and whatever their story is, is different than my story, but the feelings are the same. Like the, you know, the, the feeling that, um, the sensation, like this, just this knowing and makeup of like how we are is like, we're all unique, but then like similar at the same time. Like we, we all have emotions Mm -hmm. and we all have the same kinds, some at extremes. That's another thing about ADHD. Um, it's, you know, it can get confused with bipolar because like it's, you, you can go from really high to really low. Um, and it's just our like brain makeup, um, that, yeah, doesn't allow us to like necessarily stay like on a mm-hmm. straight line. And yeah. And so that combined with hypermobility and complex trauma. And so it's like, I, I'm, un- I'm unfolding, um, all of like my conditioning and patterns and I'm waking up to, and I'm seeing them and I'm being like, nope, that's not me. And like, I can give it back or I can break the chain, whatever, however you want to look at it. Like these things have been given to me because they were given, like my parents got them and their parents got them. Right. You know, there's nobody to blame. There's, Mm -hmm. it's just what has been handed down. And so for me, what has helped yoga has helped me so much is like now it's time for me to take responsibility like and like to stop blaming my parents for whatever to stop blaming you know society like Mm -hmm. and it's like no like I'm in control I get to choose what like I feel and like there are like feelings that just randomly come up but then to be able to focus and to be like nope change path like I this doesn't benefit me this does Mm -hmm. and yoga helps me slow down to be able to like see like what is beneficial for me right now and like come back into like present moment which is the only moment that exists yeah and to trust that and feel safe in that uh, affirmations is another thing that really helps me in my mind because my mind will just wander and so like grounding affirmations like I am safe Mm -hmm. or this moment matters Mm -hmm. um, are two really big ones for me that just brings me back and it's like okay yes like a couple of things that you mentioned kind of stick out to me for the people that I have in mind that are thinking about like as you said it's not like you snap your fingers and then it feels like your trauma is completely gone and released (laughs) all of it from all the generations back that have been handed down to you as well. But it's kind of a step. If you take one step and you like collect Mm. hashtags that you feel Mm -hmm. resonate or you're curious about, and then you have this feed of people who can mirror maybe part of your experience and you're able to discern what feels like me and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. But when you said waking up, I felt kind of like a little chill with that because it does feel like, it feels like waking up to this inherent power that we all have to choose things we didn't know we had a choice about. Yes. Yes. For instance, things that were passed down, like alcoholism, let's say. Yep. Addiction. Yeah. Addiction. Something passed down that we're like, well, I'm prone to that. So I mm-hmm. guess that's my destiny. Yep. And to realize some of these things, there's an element of choice involved if you can get at some of the core root. Mm-hmm. reasons why it exists in the first place yes. or if you can unwind some of the restrictions or blocks that are preventing your system from really fully accessing its ability to feel connected mm-hmm. and what you're bonding to yes and if bonding to people doesn't feel safe mm-hmm. being able to explore why right and teach your body that it is safe yes. in certain environments to bond and yes. expose vulnerability and 
So it feels like almost like any step, any first step is yep. a good step. And to be gentle with yourself mm-hmm. and that this is an overnight process. Like it's, it's for me, it's been maddening at times where it's like, how long, much longer do I have to carry this? And mm-hmm. it comes in waves like where I can feel like really, really strong. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this shit. And then I can feel really weak. I'm like, oh, here it is again. Like, why am I here again? Yeah. And to be, but I'm, I'm so much further, like having that like reflection I think is really important and gratitude yeah for where we are and to realize like I like where I have come to like where what point I'm at is so different than even last week yeah and to be able to reflect one of the things also that my yoga teacher was um he reiterated time and again and I know it's not a new concept but I put it into practice more frequently now and it has really, really helped is to just continually take steps backwards. And for instance, if I'm saying like today, I was sort of beating myself up about not having a better grip on money. And so beating myself up about that and sort of, then there's that other voice that's angry that I'm beating myself up. Mm -hmm. And then there's another (laughs) voice that's judgmental about the anger, about the beating myself up. And Basically, to take all of that and kind of imagine it together Mm -hmm. and to remove yourself one step backwards Ah, from it and say, can I be okay with not being okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not okay that I'm not great with money. Can I be okay with I'm not great? Can I I be okay with not being okay with that? And if not, then it's like, can I be okay with not being okay with not being okay with that I'm not great with money. Yes. And you just keep going until there's a part of you, and there always is a part of you that's okay with it. Right. And there's, because there's always that love and acceptance there. It's just like backing far enough out of the kind of ego mind to say, mm-hmm. oh, there's that place. I'm really okay with it. Yeah. And yeah. I know I'm choosing different things. And it's easier to rest in that place. The, fu- the place, the way that I generally get to that place is through meditation. Mm-hmm. But having a really good body worker has also helped come to that place of peace. And you're like, I didn't even know this place existed. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's really fun to work with people that have never had energy work or who have never had mm-hmm. nur- nurturing body work. Yes. It's sort of, they're like, I didn't even know this was in me. Yep. And yeah. it's like... It is. I know, right? It is. And it is. It is so fun to witness that because for every every time that like I work with someone who hasn't had Reiki mm-hmm. and because Reiki, like I've, I've had, I'm, I'm at a good point with it now, but I've had such a back and forth with it because it is mind boggling. Like it doesn't, you know, mentally, you can't make sense of it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's experientially true. And so I always get a little nervous. Like when I'm working with somebody new, I'm like, oh, is this going to quote unquote work? Like, is this going to, right? Like have its effect. <laughs> And when I get out of my own way, right, and I am just the channel to whatever it is, it always does, and they always go into this, like, what's, like, a Reiki sleep, that in-between, and they're like, I saw colors, and my grandma came to me, and, you know, all this stuff, and they're like, what is going on? And, again, holding a safe space, it's like, this is all okay, and, you know, if it comes up, you know, here and there, like, it's it's okay, but, yeah, like, reminding them that this is, like, within, and then they have that experiential memory to go back to if they want, to remember 
remember it because that's now stored. Mm. Like that's what have you? Um, I I just started reading. Like I'm again ADHD. I have like ten different books on my nightstand mm-hmm. right now. Like I'm always like whatever it is that I want right now is like what I start like, yeah. and it all complements each other. Um, but mm-hmm. neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and how we can literally rewire our brain yes. by you know, consciously making choices, making different choices, and then sitting in that choice, recognizing that choice long enough, you know, and not just in a moment, but like, you know, with yoga or body work or meditation, and then it becomes a new pathway. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, so we're not stuck. Like there, we can, it it can look like we are. Yeah. Right. Because we're not quite where we want to be, but we're never going to be. Like it's, we're always, you know, remembering more about ourselves and it's going to be a continuous journey throughout this lifetime and to be like more curious about it and in learning like ourselves and what it is like that we have to process mm-hmm. and let go of. One of the things you were talking about with um, taking responsibility, I feel like when I, there's some meditations that I do that kind of focus on reparenting mm, the like inner, inner child, child mm-hmm. and if people are listening and you don't know what that means, it basically means each of us as children got whatever we got emotionally from the people who raised us. And inevitably some things get missed or a lot of things get missed. Mm -hmm. And so as an adult, people sometimes get stuck into thinking, well, I'll never be able to feel secure because my parents didn't love me Mm -hmm. or, And reparenting is a process of using, you can do hypnotherapy or deeper states of meditation to go back and literally provide yourself Mm. with whatever it is you needed, but didn't get. Mm -hmm. And it creates new pathways. And it's sort of like your will to do this and provide this for yourself and having the right resources, like the a good guided meditation or a good body therapist to help you through can literally change your brain Mm -hmm. and your experience of yourself so that you feel loved and nurtured and nourished and that your inner child was taken care of, even though your experience in quote real life wasn't that. Your brain doesn't know any different. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yep. It'll believe whatever you say. And that's how powerful when you're talking about taking responsibility, that's what I think of. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's all these tools and resources out there. And I feel like part of what I am supposed to be doing is to help spread the word. I'm not an expert on any of them, but just to like, Mm -hmm. let people know, Hey, there's stuff out there that can really help if you're uncomfortable in any arena of your life. Yes. Literally there is so much out there right now that can be helpful. Mm -hmm even just for daily comfort. Cause yes. I think a lot of people are getting really uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Oh, the times we are in, Ooh. this is, and that's where I feel like it's time for me to be stepping up to mm. is because of this. Like I, I don't know if you want to call it specialized, but in trauma, like I, that's what I've been working on mm-hmm. for the past six years is trauma. And like, we're all experientially having a traumatic experience at the same time. Like, I mean, the whole world is experiencing this. And so that energy, right. Is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's heavy. Like we're all feeling it. And so, yes, I think it's so important for us to share 
whatever it is we have, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. And that's what I'm trying to get through is like, yeah. I'm not an quote unquote expert, but I do have quite a bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and to like, if that's helpful, if it's just a little bit helpful and I've been having conversations with some family and friends and they're like, you help me so much. Like you help me understand myself and like yeah. why I feel the way I do. And it's starting to click. Like I'm starting to get like validation, if you will, mm-hmm. that like, okay, I need, I need to be expanding. Like I, like yeah. it's, it, this is important, you know, for others to know and that there, there are options. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, you know, I, I'm in more of, I'm 33 and, um, the millennial generation <laughs> that gets <laughs> such a bad rap, but, um, we're I'm I'm more open to self-help like that's all I've ever read like I I, I've never it it doesn't even interest me to read a fiction novel like I I don't (laughs) know Nora Roberts for you no no (laughs) I just tell me how I can improve myself or understand myself Mm -hmm. and then like it just downloads and then I can interpret it in a way like this person needs to hear it this way and this person needs to hear it this way and Mm -hmm. you know and that is I'm finding one of my gifts is being able to like intuitively know what the other person needs and then it just like (laughs) it comes comes out out. for them yeah Yeah. and like again being a channel like if that's Reiki or I you know if that's just my whatever my makeup is for this lifetime yeah but like I my sensitive senses allow me to be able to connect in this way that's so mysterious to me but like undeniable Mm -hmm. and to be able instead of being afraid of it because I was for quite some time um, cause I just didn't understand it. Like, but now to see, like, this is the time, this is why I've been learning all this stuff. Like, yeah. this is why I've been healing myself or, you know, I, I don't like the word healing cause that makes it seem like we're broken like that, you know, we need fixing, but there's not a, there's not a better word. Yet. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. And so thank you. That's yes. People can relate to like what that, what that is. I totally get what you're saying. I think part of it, part of um, growing up empathic and, um, being so sensitive and so attuned to others and being a shapeshifter and really being able to shift based on the company that you're in, then does translate later. As you said, it's sort of like, because you've done your own healing work, I can relate to this. And my yoga, some of my yoga teachers have talked about this too. If you understand what it feels like to f- be fully embodied to the point where you've come. And then you t- you can feel it energetically and in your senses. And then you c- are in the presence of someone who maybe is a little off in one particular part of their energy body. or y- It's not something you can necessarily draw on a piece of paper, right. but your sense of it is there. Mm-hmm. And because you've already done the work yourself, it's like you can say just that right thing to sort of expand that part of them or ask the right question so that they're drawing that attention onto that part themselves. I totally get, I totally get what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. And it, it does feel like, Oh, that's why my history looks like it does because Mm -hmm. now I can do this. Exactly. Like where it's a gift, Mm -hmm. like it it wasn't, it didn't feel like it in the moment. And there's still, Yeah, so much. Like, but yeah, to be able to be like, okay, this is why. This is why. Yeah, and to be thankful, grateful, like that, you know. And that's that's a hard step. Is like I I think you don't even need to forgive because some things 
for me in my past, like I just not, I can't like that word, like what I've attached to that word. I don't, you know, I'm working on that still, but to be grateful that it's provided me this awareness Mm -hmm. that I can now use and that's beneficial. Like I've transformed it. Like I'm not, I'm not passing that on. Yeah. Like I'm not, this is no more. This stops here with me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's pretty powerful. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> that went by so fast. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say? Do you have a website or something? Yes, you... I do. Okay. I'm, I'm just I'm just in the beginning of um, kind of creating my platform. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but um, my website is Hey Yogi Mama, like H-E-Y. Hey Yogi Mama. Hey Yogi Mama. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's Hey Yogi Mama, M-A-M-A. Um, dot com, and then I'm also on Instagram, and it's hey dot yogi dot mama. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just starting to build. I I just put my first blog hey. out on it, and um, and I'm also on uh, me and a good friend of mine, Pete Calgaro. We started a group uh, called Into the Unknown, Ooh. and we just released our first track on Spotify. Oh, it's We Are One. That sounds really yes. nice. Yes. And it's so it's um it's a I, it's a spoken word poem uh, oh. that it just came to me like in March like when all of this started happening, and uh, yeah, and then my friend Pete put music to it and oh we God. just started yeah that sounds yeah. awesome yeah so yeah if you want to check that out into I do. the unknown on Spotify yeah oh wow mm-hmm. well thanks for talking today I feel <sighs> like this is part one of. 12. Yes. I would. Oh, I would. I, there's so much more to talk about. So much more. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. This has been a pleasure. 